right, let's get started here. Uh, let's pray together, and then we'll dive into the Word. Heavenly Father, we love you so very much. We're so grateful for who you are and what you do. Today, I pray that you would challenge us a little bit, and that you would take us further in our relationship with you. Pray that you would speak to us from your word, and I pray that the words that come from my mouth today would be yours, and not simply my own. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would open up our hearts to hear specifically what you want to say to each and every one of us as individuals. We love you and we thank you, and it's in your great name we pray, and everybody said, amen. amen. <clears throat> All right. Uh, I years ago there was a show on MTV, and this show was called Made. And I know what you're thinking. You're immediately thinking MTV. Well, we don't watch MTV. Well, neither do I. But Marty told me all about this show, <laughs> and so, so uh, I learned about it from him. And it's a, uh, it's called it was called Made. And what they would do on this show is that there would be a high school student that would they'd write in and they would say, hey, I'm not happy with who I am. I, I feel like I'm kind of the outcast of my school. And so I want to be somebody else. So I want you to come in and they'd send in life coaches and they'd send in people, whoever they wanted to be. Maybe they wanted to be an athlete. Maybe they wanted to be an actor, maybe a dancer. And they would come in and they'd teach them and try over the course of a month or so to transform them from who they were into something else. So it was a very interesting show to me. I, I again, uh, just hearing about it, uh, it sounded very interesting. But uh, they wanted to change people completely. And I don't know about you, but I've, I've oftentimes wanted to be made into different things in my life. Uh, when I was younger, I wanted to be a cowboy. I, just, I, I had a cowboy hat and a little vest and plaid shirt and uh, wear jeans and boots, really sharp toed uh, boots that I would kick my brothers with when they would pick on me because they were older than me and very, very mean. And, um, and I would, uh, that was my only means of defense. And so I wanted to be a cowboy. Or there were other times later in life when I grew up a little bit and so I no longer wanted to be a cowboy, I wanted to be Superman. And so there were these things, <laughs> there were these things when I were, was younger, they were called underoos. <laughs> Some of you laughed because you know what those are. They're underoos. And essentially what they were is they were underwear for kids. And so you'd have some briefs and have a t-shirt. And so I wanted to be Superman, so I'd wear my Superman t-shirt. And I would put my jeans on and I would put, put my underwear over the jeans because that looked like Superman's outfit, you know. And so don't laugh. Some of you did it too. And, uh, and I'd wear a towel around my neck and I'd fly around the house and I wanted to be Superman. Until I matured a little bit more, and then I wanted to become the Karate Kid. And I'm not talking about the Karate Kid like the, uh, what's his name, Jaden Smith and uh, Jackie Chan Karate Kid. I'm talking about the original people. I'm talking about Mr. Miyagi. I'm talking about Daniel's son. I am talking about Ralph Macchio. That's, that is the Karate Kid that I wanted to be. I had the headband, I had, a, I had a gi, I never took karate a day in my life, but I had a gi and I had a headband and I was like, oh, oh and all this, it just, I had the whole thing. And then I matured a little bit more and I wanted to become like my brothers, like Brad and like Ross. Well, that was short-lived, I decided that was not where I wanted to go, so I changed that one, but... Uh, 
But you see what I mean? All of us kind of have experienced that. Where, where even just growing up, we wanted to be somebody other than who we were, who we are. You know it, because uh, maybe you felt like it. I think the truth is that everybody wants to be made into something else or someone else in some way. Everybody wants to be made into something else. If you're young, you want to be older so you can have more authority. If you're getting along in years, you just want to be younger because my body worked better back then. If, <laughs> thank you, Dad. If, if you've got curly hair, you want your hair to be straight. If you've got wavy hair, you want it to be straighter. You spend all your time with, I don't know what you, straighteners and curling irons, pulling it straight. It just You're doing everything that you can to be something else. Or maybe you've got straight hair and you just want it to be curly. I wish I had some body in this hair. <laughs> I'm not saying that for me, by the way. <laughs> yeah, or maybe some of you are saying, hey, dude, I just want hair. <laughs> <Amen>. <laughs> yeah. I think that there is a discontent that's resident in all of us. I think there's a, there's a discontentment that resides in us a lot of times. I just want to be something better. And maybe you felt it. Maybe you've recognized it in you. And I think that's why the show was so well known. Everybody could relate to this idea. But one thing that's interesting to me about the show is that these students who would write in, they weren't, they, it wasn't like someone was telling them they needed to be something else. It was them saying, I want to be something else. It was the subject of the show saying, I want to be transformed. It wasn't like a, you know, these surprise makeovers that you see on TV sometimes. I think these are the worst things imaginable. A surprise makeover. Like you're walking down the street and somebody jumps out and says, hey, you're so ugly. Your hair is disgusting. And your clothes are nasty. We're going to change you and make you so much better. And you're going to thank us. I think that's crazy. That's so offensive to me. And if you're thinking, you need one. Well, I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> but that wasn't the case with the show. This was people saying, I just want to be different. And I think there's a really important idea here in our relationship with Jesus. And I think it's this. The idea is it's this heart, this heartbeat that says to him, I'm not content with where I am with you. I'm not content with my life in you. I want more of you. I want to be made like you. I want you to make me. You know, the truth is, every, every one of us, we're already being made every day by the choices that we make. You've already made some choices about who is making you. And every day, whether you realize it or not, you're becoming more like him or maybe less like him. When you're a young person, when you're, just, when you're born and you're a child, it's your parents that they, they have the most input into your life. And so they kind of make you. When there's, uh, you get a little bit older in junior high and high school, it becomes more about friends. It becomes more about maybe uh, media and culture, maybe, maybe a band that you identify with or whatever it might be. But it starts to make you into something else because you identify and you make choices. For most of us, we get a little bit older and we end up being, uh, you know, it's our career path. Or it's the people that we associate with uh, that tends to make us and shape us. Every single day, it's happening to you by the choices that you make. 
You're becoming like somebody else. But there's only one person that's worthy of being made into. Only one person. His name is Jesus. And I think there's really only one path to do that. Open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, it says, While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father. Isn't that a fantastic name? If I had another child, I think I would go for Zebedee. Uh, And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. I think it's very cool here, this idea where he, he sees these fishermen and he says, Hey, you guys, follow me and I will make you. Come follow me and I will make you. I think that it's a conditional statement. He's just saying, listen, if you will follow me, then I will make you into something greater than who and what you are now. I will take you from being just a fisherman out in a boat to being a fisher of men. I will take you out of the just the mediocrity, the average life that you live And I will help you to become something or someone greater in me as I work in you. And I love that idea. He didn't say to them, hey, listen, uh, hey, guys, make something of yourselves. All right? Peace. (laughs) Leave them alone. He didn't say, hey, you guys, get yourselves together. Get everything figured out. And then maybe I'll work with you a little bit. No, he just said, hey, listen, follow me. If you'll follow me, I will do the work. If you'll follow me, I will make you. I think his job is to make us. And our job is simply to follow him. His job is to make us. Our job is simply to follow. Most of the work, the hard choices are about deciding whether or not we will follow him. And then after that, everything starts to work because he does the work. The hardest decisions are just to choose to follow. I want you to maybe today to maybe see the simplicity a little bit of this idea. Now, I'm not saying that it's just simple. Hey, living a life for God is simple and easy and everything will be puppy dogs and rainbows and everything's going to be wonderful if you'll just do what he says. Because Pastor Ross even highlighted this morning that we will have trouble. He told us, you will have trouble in this world, but take heart because I've overcome the world. So we know that it's going to be difficult. But if we make the choice to keep on following, he will make us. The difficulty most of the time that most of us have when we say, oh, I feel alone. Oh, I feel like nobody cares. I feel like nothing's working out. I feel like my life is in shambles. I think most of the time it's because somewhere along the way we've stopped following. 
We stopped walking behind. We stopped going where he's going and doing what he's doing. And instead, we started to do our own thing. And maybe you don't even realize it. Or maybe you've just allowed a lot of distance to get between you and him. Maybe you've meandered and wandered just a little bit. Instead of sticking on his heels and keep following him. Because if we will follow, he will make us. I think that if we don't get this heart, this idea that we'll always be kind of frustrated in our life in God. That what we do is follow him and he does everything else. If you keep following, keep on following every day, he will work in you. He will make you. It may not always be perfect. It may not always seem like it's right. It may take longer sometimes than you think it should. But he's got all that timing figured out. And he will come through if you will follow. I think sometimes we fail at this because we didn't bother to count the cost of what it means to follow him early on. Or maybe we were told the wrong cost. And we believed in a cost that wasn't real or maybe not enough. Go to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14 in verse 25 through 35. We're going to read a good chunk of scripture here. But this talks about counting the cost of following him and what it means. It says in verse 25 of Luke 14, large crowds were traveling with Jesus. I want you to remember that. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. And turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, This person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able, he'll send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. Verse 33, in the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. At the beginning of this passage, it says that large crowds were traveling with Jesus now, I'm not going to say that this is stellar exegesis or anything like that. But I do think it's interesting that this word is used here. That large crowds were traveling with. It doesn't say they were following. It just says they were traveling with. And I think there's an important distinction between the two. I think that if you're traveling with someone, it's easy to kind of come alongside. And you kind of say, hey, hey, you going my way? Great, let's just kind of walk on together. But your destinations may not necessarily be the same place. I think sometimes it's easy for us to treat our relationship with Jesus in that way. 
hey, Jesus, where are you going? All right, well, yeah, sure, I, I think I'm headed that way too, so let's kind of go on together, all right? Me and Jesus, here we go, we're just walking side by side. But you may not end up at the same destination. I think there's a different heartbeat that says, hey, I'm going to follow you. A follower says, I'm going to go wherever you go. I'm going to do whatever you do. I'm going to say whatever you say. I'm going to stick right with you. I have no real other plans of my own. I want yours. And I think that's the heartbeat that we're looking for today. I love that Jesus here, so these crowds are traveling with him, and he turns to the crowd, and he does the opposite of what we do. Uh, We try to make discipleship sound so wonderful and easy and simple and clean. We like to say, hey, just come and follow Jesus, and everything will be so good. But we already know, as we discussed, it's not always going to be that way. And we're trying to reach this, and of course, we want everybody to come to know Jesus. We want everybody to be a disciple. But Jesus' approach was not necessarily to say, hey, everybody, come on this way. Jesus turns around to the crowd that's traveling with him, and he starts to cut away at those who are just not really going to count the cost. He starts to cut away and draw those people who are really going to follow. And he says things like, listen, if you don't hate your father, brother, sister, mother, then you can't follow me. If you don't hate your own life, then you can't follow me. If you don't pick up your cross and carry it, then you can't be my disciple. Now, of course, he doesn't mean that literally. He doesn't mean you have to hate your father, hate your mother, hate your brother. He doesn't mean that. Some of you are thinking, oh, man, I'm really doing this wrong right now then. He's saying, listen, it's, it's like comparison. Look, when it comes to me... I win. I'm first. I am higher than all those other relationships. So what is the ultimate cost of being a follower of the Lord Jesus? It is everything. Everything. And I think it becomes so easy for us just to travel with Jesus when what he really wants us to do is surrender all and follow him. He's not looking for a naive commitment from us that expects just a a simple, clean, and easy life. He wants us as his followers to consider what he expects and then commit. It's why he says, listen, this guy tries to build a tower, but he doesn't. He lays a foundation, and he quits, and he becomes a subject of ridicule and mockery. He's saying, is that going to be you? Are you going to just lay a foundation of giving me everything and then walk away from it and do something else? I don't want to be that subject of ridicule. I want to keep following to the end. So the ultimate cost then, if we're going to count the cost, the ultimate cost of being made is giving up everything. If you don't give up everything, he says, you can't be my disciple. So there's two heartbeats that I want you to hear really quick. The first is the heartbeat of the traveling disciple, the person who travels with him. And I think the heart of the traveling disciple says, give me, give me everything that I want. I just, I want to, I want to have life be easy and clean and free and just, so give me, what can I get out of this thing, Jesus? I think it's easy for us in our, in our culture today. Everything is about us. Everywhere that you look, you've got this thing in your, on the palm of your hand every single day. And you can get anything and everything that you want all the time. 
You can order food. You can talk to your friends. You can take pictures of yourself. You can do everything that you want to do. And it's immediate and it's right there. And it teaches us to just think, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. That's not the heartbeat of a follower of Jesus. And I think sometimes it creeps into our relationship with him and and our relationship with the church and how we come and attend and how we engage with the body of Christ. We can show up and just think, give me, give me, give me. I hope Marty sings the right songs today. Hope he picked a good list. Hope he sings that one song because I love that one song. That one song makes me lift my hands up high. The other ones, eh, it's right around here. Hope Mari does a good job because I really want to worship today. <laughs> what a crazy idea that is. I hope the message is good today. I like last week. I didn't mean that from you. <laughs> Just pick any general week. <laughs> hope that Brent guy isn't speaking today. He's so annoying. Thank you for the, <laughs> someone felt bad for me. <laughs> Does that mean you really think that? You just made me feel worse. Uh, I, hope that, I hope that's not happening. I hope it's somebody good. hope Pastor Ross has a good word today. Give me, give me, give me. That's not the heartbeat that we're after. That's not the lifestyle that we want. I don't want to be someone who just says, give me. It's not about us experiencing just the life and the fun, the fellowship and the intimacy, just getting everything out of it. His first desire is to make us, to change us inside and outside, to make us into somebody different, not just to give us all the rich blessings, although he does do that as well. But I don't want my heartbeat to ever be, just give me, God. I want my heartbeat to be, make me, God. Make me more like you. Because that's the heartbeat of a following disciple. The heartbeat of a following disciple says, make me. Make me. Every day, every moment, make me. Make me into somebody else. It's nobody else's responsibility. It's you and it's me. And I'm going to come and I'm going to run hard after you. It's easy for us, though, I think, to say, well, no one's helping me out, man. I mean, I, I, had a, I had a coffee appointment with my connect group leader, and they forgot. <laughs> they don't call me or text me. I tried. I read the Bible once. I tried. I prayed two times. I tried. Instead, I think it's our responsibility to say, look, it doesn't matter if no one's texting me. <laughs> I'm going to go after a relationship with that person. Hey, where you been? You didn't text me. We're supposed to have coffee. Where are you at? I'm going to run after my relationship with Jesus every day. It's my responsibility. It's on me to pursue. God, make me. I'm not just waiting around, sitting around. Well, I hope something great happens in my life and God. No, I'm going to get up every morning. I'm going to read the word. I'm going to pray. I'm going to be at church. I'm going to get into a connect group. I'm going to open up my heart and my relationship with other people so they can speak into me. I'm going to do these things because my heart says, God, make me. I think that being a disciple is not an addition. 
It's not an addition to our already awesome, perfect lives. It's not something that we just add on to and say, well, yeah, I like to do lots of things, and being a disciple is one of them. Being a disciple is not a part-time job. It's a perpetual assignment, something that we do all the time, someone that we're seeking all the time. It's easy to look at discipleship like it's a hobby. Oh, yeah, I like to play the guitar. I like to knit. I like to whittle. I like swimming. I don't know why I'm talking like this. Uh, I like all those things. I like underwater basket weaving. Oh, and I like to be a disciple. I like to do all those things. That's not what we're talking about. They're not the same. It's not a hobby. It's not just something that we add on to. It is everything. I surrender my whole life. I give up everything that I am. I give up my relationships. I give up my heart. I give up my desires. I give up what I want because I want you in me and I want you to make me. This is the challenge that I felt like I needed to issue to you today. The traveler is simply on a journey. The follower goes wherever Jesus goes. So bow your heads and close your eyes, would you please? And I want to ask you to open up your heart to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And I want to ask you just to be really honest with him and with yourself. And ask the question today, have I become content with where I am in my relationship with Jesus? Or do I have a holy discontentment with where I am. I don't mean an ungratefulness. I just mean a heart that says, I want more. I want you to ask yourself, am I more of a traveler? And I didn't even know it. Am I kind of walking alongside Jesus still looking ahead to my own direction and where I'm going to go rather than focusing my eyes on him, on his heels, and staying step in step in step with him. Holy Spirit, would you reveal to us now in these moments, help us to be honest, help us to be true. And call us to be who you want us to be today. And if that's you, I'd like to pray for you just briefly. I'm not going to embarrass you or make you do anything weird or awkward. But with everybody's heads bowed and eyes are closed, I just want to ask you the question. Would you say, yeah, I want a holy discontentment in me, in my relationship with God. 
I have been a traveler and I want to follow. And you want to make a change, a commitment today to surrender all and be who he's calling you to be. Would you just lift up your hand? Yeah, awesome. Cool. Great. Great, great. Who else? Great. Yes. Yes. Who else? Yes, yes. Oh, so good. Anybody else? Just lift up your hand. Just and, and would you just hold it up, please? Just hold it up for a moment. Just to say, it's not for me or anybody else. It's just you and God. This is your moment. You're saying yes. God, this is your hand upraised is your decision. It's your choice saying, I want to be more like you. I want to be made. That's so great. Anybody else? This is your moment to respond. Now I'm going to pray and I want to ask you, especially if you raised your hand and all over this room, I want you to pray with me. Pray and use words, use language, much like I'm going to use today. We're just going to turn away from our old life. We're just going to say yes to a new life in him. So Heavenly Father, today in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would help us to be more like you. God, I pray that a holy discontentment would arise within us. Every one of us as individuals, every one of us as a body of believers at one chapel, let there be a holy discontentment that arises within each one of us to say, I'm not satisfied with where I am. I want to push further. I want more. And so I'm going to make the choice today. I'm going to do the hard work. I'm going to say yes to following you. I'm going to say yes to seeking you. I'm going to say yes to those things. And I'm going to let you do the rest. I'm going to follow what you make me. So now, Father, forgive us for sin. Forgive us for rebellion. Forgive us for pride. Forgive us for the leanings and inklings that we have that take us away from you. And now we dedicate and surrender we commit our lives to you, asking you to be the Lord of everything that we have and everything that we are. From this day forward, we commit, we want to follow. Help us, because we can't do it without you. We love you and we thank you. And it's in your great and wonderful name we pray. And everybody said,